And if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Exodus today, Exodus chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35 is where we're going to be in our time together. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you today. And uh, most of the verses will be on the screen as well. Is anybody at the 930 service excited about diving into God's word today? Exodus 35, and we'll start reading in verse number 20. The Bible says this, and all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came up, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets and jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of rams and badger's skins brought them Everyone that did an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering. And every man with whom was found shittim wood for the, any work of the service brought it. Today, for a few minutes, I'd like to speak to this subject, the gift of generosity. The gift of generosity. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive in together this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for the ability that we have to come together and freely worship and lift up your name. God, thank you for what you did in the eight o'clock service. And Lord, I'm praying that you would meet with us in a special way in this service and the services to come today. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in advance. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would work in my heart and fill me with wisdom to communicate your truth today. And Lord, I pray that we would not just simply come and listen and be hearers, but today we would also be doers. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us in a powerful way. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said today. How many of you enjoy gift giving? Can I see your hands giving gifts? How many of you have ever re-gifted something? Anybody like that? Where you got something and you're like, wow, this is wonderful. And in your head, you're thinking, I'm going to give this to somebody else, right? And uh, I remember when I was in the seventh grade, I had a dream that I received a knock on the door on Christmas Eve, and it was a mailman. And he had a box, and inside that box was a dog. It was a puppy. And I thought that was a great dream. And so I went and I told my mom about this dream. And my mom is the nicest person you'll ever meet. And I went and I told my mom, and I said, Mom, I had this dream. And a mailman came and delivered me a puppy. And my mom acted completely disinterested. She acted like she didn't care. And I was, this is surprising. This was puzzling to me. I kind of felt like Joseph. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament who told his family his dreams and they didn't care about his dreams, right? I kind of felt like that. Like, why does my mom not care about this dream that I had? And, and uh, unbeknownst to me, the reason my mom was acting disinterested was because she was already secretly planning on getting me a dog for Christmas that year. And so uh, I didn't know this. And sure enough, Christmas Eve morning, 
There came a knock on the door, and there was a mailman in our church that came, and he had a box, and he delivered me this box, and I opened up the box, and inside the box was a golden retriever puppy, and uh, we named that puppy Krispy Kreme Donut, and we called it Krispy for short, and uh, she was a great dog, Krispy uh, Krispy Kreme Donut, and uh, looking back on my childhood, I think that was my favorite present, my favorite gift that I ever received, and of course, today as we approach the Christmas season, we are reminded about the greatest gift the world has ever known. And the greatest gift the world has ever known is the gift of salvation uh, that comes by way of God's son, Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful today that we can experience salvation and know that we have a home in heaven when we die. This is the good news of the gospel. Uh, the apostle Paul, he talked about this gift when he was writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. He says, and thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, for his indescribable gift that we will never be able to fully articulate and adequately describe the magnitude of the gift of salvation. I'm so thankful today for that gift. You know, perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that the heart of our God is a heart of generosity. I'm thankful that our God is not stingy. You know, the truth of the matter is, we can be stingy people. We can be stingy with our time, talent, and treasure. The other day, I took my two youngest children, Luke and Blakely, to go see a movie. And we walked in there, and I said, all right, you guys can pick out one candy each. And so they went, and they picked out candy. We went and sat down. And my youngest daughter, Blakely, she picked out a candy called Nerd Clusters. Anybody familiar with nerd clusters? I'm kind of somewhat new uh, to nerd clusters, but I had one of these, and I was like, this is a gift from God. This is manna from heaven, this, these nerd clusters. And so I asked Blakely in the movie, I said, Blakely, can I have a nerd cluster? And she went like this, one. <laughs> like, you can have one. I bought the whole bag. If we run out, I can get her some more. But she said, you can have, you can have one. And uh, the reality is, and the truth is, for all of us today, is sometimes as God's children, that's how we can be with God. That when it comes to our time, our talent, our treasure, we can hold on tight to what it is that, that we have, not realizing and recognizing that it was God the Father that gave it to us in the first place. And so uh, the heart of our God is a heart of generosity. In fact, the Bible puts it this way in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What was Jesus saying? He was saying generosity is the gift. Generosity is the gift. When you give and when you are generous, you are filled with joy. When you are generous, you will be fulfilled. When you are generous, you will be satisfied. And so it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is the gift of generosity. You know, there's a church uh, that uh, that uh, I love reading about in, in Scripture, the churches of Macedonia. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 2, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about these churches in Macedonia and how they were generous. And this is what he said. He said, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Or in other words, abounded unto the riches of their generosity. Now that verse from a human perspective almost doesn't make sense. In fact, put the verse back up there for a second. That they were in a great trial of affliction, that they were in a great, we have the verse put up here for a second. Uh, the great trial of affliction and that they had deep poverty. 
The word poverty means absolute destitution in that context. It wasn't just meaning that they had a little bit. It meant that they had nothing. How could they have nothing, and how could they be in a great trial of affliction and yet still be overflowing with joy? The abundance of their joy. From a human perspective, that doesn't make sense. When I'm broke and I have no money and I'm experiencing a trial, usually I don't have a whole lot of joy. So how do you have an abundance of joy when you're broke and you're suffering affliction? The answer is generosity. What did the churches at Macedonia have that enabled them and empowered them to experience this kind of overflowing joy? They were generous. And today we're going to come to Exodus chapter number 35, and it's a very exciting passage where we see the generosity of God's people. Now, when we come to Exodus chapter 35, the children of Israel were already liberated from Egypt. If you remember, uh, they were in bondage and slavery in Egypt, and, and uh, God raised up Moses, and he went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, and, and they were liberated from Egypt, and now they are wandering in the wilderness, and great miracles have already happened. The crossing of the Red Sea. How many of you remember this story? The crossing of the Red Sea and the manna from heaven and the, and the fire by night and the cloud by day. God was doing some miraculous things and he was leading his people into the promised land. And yet there was one problem. As they were kind of living this nomadic lifestyle, as they were traveling through the wilderness, they didn't have an adequate place to worship. All they had was the, the, the tent of meeting, this little tiny tent where Moses would go and the Ark of the Covenant would go and they would counter the presence of God. And so God instructs Moses to instruct the people to build up a tabernacle, a, a place where they would be able to uh, come and worship the Lord. And this would be the center point of, of Israelite worship. This would be the focal point of their worship where God's presence would dwell. And so God instructs the people to come together, to uh, take an offering, to receive an offering, to build a up this tabernacle. In fact, notice our text. If you have your Bible, notice what it says in verse number four. It says this. Everybody with me this morning? Verse four. And Moses spake unto the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, this is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, take you from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. And so God instructs the people, God instructs Moses to instruct the people to receive an offering to build up this tabernacle. Now, question for you. God had already done the miraculous in their midst. God had already miraculously parted the Red Sea so they could cross over. God already gave them a miraculous manna food from heaven. God had already met their needs. And if God wanted to, he certainly could have just provided the materials necessary for a tabernacle. Could he not? God is God. God can do whatever he wants to do. And this is one of the major misconceptions that many Christians have and many people have when it comes to money in the church. That God needs our money. Can I tell you today that God does not need our money? that God is not up in heaven pacing back and forth saying, I wonder what's going to happen at the Faith for the Future offering. I really hope that we get enough so that we can move forward. No, God is not interested in our money. God is interested in your heart. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so God could have just provided the means necessary to build a tabernacle, but instead God decided to involve his people in the process. I'm so thankful that God loves us enough to involve us in the process. See, here's the truth today. Generosity, through generosity, God can do a work through us. I believe that. 
In other words, when we're generous and we give to the local church and we give to missions and we support missionaries around the world that are reaching people in, uh, in, in remote places, uh, God can use our generosity to make a difference through us. Would you agree with that today? That God can use generosity to make a difference through us, but ultimately, God wants to use generosity to make a difference in us. That generosity is an opportunity to stretch our faith. Generosity is an opportunity to get close to God. Generosity is an opportunity to put feet to our faith. And so God lovingly uh, chooses to use us in the process. And so he calls the people of Israel together and he says, hey, we're going to build up this tabernacle, this place of worship. And as we look to this text today, what I want to do is I want to give us three principles about generosity that I believe can change your life. Three principles about generosity that I believe can change your life. Now, no matter what season of life you might be in today, uh, maybe you feel like those churches in Macedonia where you are in deep poverty. Maybe financially, you're struggling. Maybe you are going through a trial of affliction this morning. Maybe you are battling uh, some serious health needs. Maybe relationally, you are in uh, affliction. But how can we have joy even in the midst of that kind of difficulty? Well, I want to give us three principles today. And so if you're taking notes, you can jot them down. Number one is this. We have to recognize generosity is about gratitude, not about guilt. Generosity is about gratitude. It's not about guilt. Notice what our text says in verse number 20. And I want to encourage you to keep your Bible open as we go back to these verses often today. It says in verse 20, And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And that is the key. Five times in this one chapter, it says that the people had willing hearts. This is the key to the whole chapter, that they gave willingly. In other words, nobody was manipulating them to be a part of this. Nobody was twisting their arm. There wasn't some guy in a fancy suit saying that if you pay $19.99, you're going to receive a blessing next year. If you get Nobody was twisting their arm. Nobody was manipulating them. They were giving willingly. How could they give so willingly? Well, they recognized how good God had been to them that God liberated them from bondage, that God set them free from uh, slavery in Egypt, and now he's leading them into the promised land. They just recognize God has been so good to us, it just makes sense to give back to him. And when we recognize how good God has been in our lives, we will recognize that it is our reasonable service to serve and to give. Hey, it's not a have to, it's a get to. It's not about guilt, it's about gratitude. The Genesis of generosity is always gratitude. See, it's not about giving out of pressure. It's about giving out of praise. God's been so good. I want to praise him. I want to, I want to worship him. I want to give willingly. You know, the Bible talks about this in the New Testament as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 7, it says this, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so we're not giving out of guilt or grudgingly, I guess I got to do this. It's, it's an obligation. No, God, God wants us to give with open hands and open hearts, cheerfully, a willing heart. Uh, my son, Luke, and my children, they, uh, they like this YouTube group called Dude Perfect. How many of you have ever heard of Dude Perfect before? They do like trick shots and, and uh, they have a lot of fun. And so they had this trick shot competition recently. And my son, Luke, wanted to participate in this. And so uh, he was at his grandpa's house, and they, they filmed this uh, trick shot video. I brought it for us this morning to check out. Luke, 
So they were pretty excited uh, about making that trick shot. And so Luke filmed that trick shot and he sent it in to Dude Perfect. Well, Dude Perfect uh, uh, nominated them to be a finalist and they made it the trick shot of the month. And so Luke was really excited about this. Yes. And he's mostly excited because whoever wins the whole competition gets $10,000. And so he's been, now there might be a thousand finalists. We don't know how many there are, but, but he's excited about this. And, and uh, he's been thinking about the possibility. Can you imagine $10,000? And he came to my office the other day and he said, dad, if I win the money, I'm going to give everyone in our family $1,000. And I was like, wow, Luke, thank you. That's very kind. He came back in about 10 minutes later. He said, dad, I've been thinking if I win, I'm going to give everyone in the family $500. And uh, he was kind of going down a little bit. But then he said, but I also want to give the church $1,000 for our new building. Now, I know that it's just imaginary money. But as a dad, I love his willing heart. I believe that when God the Father looks at his children, what he wants is a willing heart. That it's not something that we have to do, that we give willingly, but we give worshipfully. Uh, that, that, that we give out of praise. You know, there's an ancient Jewish law book and kind of commentary on ancient Jewish culture. It's called the Talmud. And in the Talmud, there's this interesting phrase. There's this interesting sentiment that says this. It says, a man embezzles from God when he makes use of this world without uttering a blessing. Think about that statement for a second. A man embezzles, steals from God when he takes part in this world without uttering a blessing. In other, in other words, when we enjoy something that God has blessed us with or enjoy something in creation and we aren't grateful and we don't express praise, it's as if we are stealing from God. And I want to encourage our church family that we ought to be active in counting our blessings, that we ought to be active in taking inventory and recognizing God has been so good to us. Does anybody believe today at the 930 service that God has been so good to us and it just makes sense to serve him with our lives? And so generosity is not about guilt. If you feel, uh, I got to do this or obligation, that's not the right heart. So it's about gratitude, expressing thanksgiving for what God has done for us. Number two is this today, if you're taking notes. God's favor should be met with our surrender. God's favor should be met with our surrender. Now, notice what our text says in verse number 22. It says, and they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, there it is again. And they brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets of jewels of gold and every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. And so they're starting to bring all of these gifts to the Lord. They're bringing gold and silver and jewelry. And, and the question that we have to pause and think about for a second is, where did they get all that stuff? They're just wandering around the wilderness. How'd they have so much gold and silver and jewelry? Well, the answer is somewhat obvious. They got it from the Egyptians, upon their exodus from Egypt. And there's this really cool verse in Exodus chapter 12 that talks about what happened as they were leaving. And I can't help but kind of use my imagination and imagine the scene. I want to read it uh, for you. In Exodus chapter number 12, verse 35, it says this. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. And they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. So, so as they were leaving, they're asking for these things. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. The Egyptians were so tired of those plagues. They were so irritated and annoyed with the Israelites that as they're leaving, the Israelites are like, hey, I really like that necklace. Can I have it? And they're like, just take it. Just take whatever you want. Uh, you want the gold bracelet here? Just take it. And, uh, and they were being blessed by all of these material possessions. But why? 
Did you notice what it said in verse 36? Because God's favor was upon them. The reason they received those material blessings was because God gave it to them. Can I just remind you today that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above? Anything good in your life comes because of the favor of God that has been placed on your life. And you might think, well, no, I worked hard for this money, and I worked hard for what I have earned, and this is my doing. No, can I tell you that God gave you the intellect, God gave you the work ethic to be able to carry that out. Everything good in our lives, God deserves the praise for. He deserves the honor for. He has been so good to us. He has blessed us and showed us favor. And so they're leaving. They have all this gold and and, uh, silver because God showed them favor. But then it says in our text several different times, in in fact, verse number 22, and they came both men and women, as many that were willing hearted and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets and all jewels of gold. And every man that offered an offering of gold unto the Lord, verse 23, and every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of rams and badger skins, they brought them. And so over and over again, it says that they, they brought these things. They brought these things. Now think about it. These people came just months ago. They were slaves in Egypt. They never had anything nice like this before. They didn't have any gold or silver and all these nice uh, uh, expensive articles of clothing. They were slaves. They could have had a scarcity mentality and said, we're going to hold on to this stuff tight. We've never had anything like this before. Hey, we deserve this after all that we've, we've gone through. We're going to hold on tight. We're going to clench our fists a little bit because we don't want to uh, lose out on this blessing. We fi- finally, something good has come to my life. I'm going to hold on tight. But rather than holding on tight, they relinquished control. They released. By the way, whatever you release, God will replenish. They said, we're just going to give this to the Lord. Rather than using that jewelry to adorn themselves, They said, we're going to use this jewelry to adorn the house of God. You can use what you have to give glory to yourself, or you can use what you have to glorify God. And they said, we're going to give this. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to let go. We're not going to have a scarcity mentality and hold on tight. We're going to relinquish control. We're going to give this to the Lord. By the way, I love the diversity of the gifts that they gave. Did you know some people gave gold? But then did you notice some people gave goat's hair? (laughs) I can imagine goat's hair was a little bit easier to get a hold of. You know, I'm going to give a lot of goat's hair. You just wait and see. Like, I'm just going to get as much as I can. And uh, see, when it comes to generosity, it's not about an amount that you have. It's about an attitude that you have. Whatever God has blessed me with, I'm going to live with open hands. And God, whether it's gold, whether it's goat's hair, whether it's silver, whatever God wants, he can have. It's stewardship is about, is about relinquishing control. It's not about an amount. In fact, we learned this with the widow's might in Mark chapter 12. In verse number 41, it says, and Jesus sat over against the treasury. He's in the temple one day and he's watching. He's watching what's taking place. And it says this, and he beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Notice Jesus watched how they gave, not what they gave. He, he was watching how this was taken their attitude, their, their, their level of sacrifice. Jesus, he's observing this. And many that were rich cast in much, and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, 
But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Some people were giving comfortably out of their abundance, but this woman was giving sacrificially. It seemed like so little. Many scholars say that a mite would have been the size of a pencil eraser, that it seemed like such a small little gift and little donation. But can I just remind you, little is much when God is in it. And never underestimate what God can do with a little. Hey, you might be just leading a little small group and you might think, hey, nothing can come of this. Or maybe you're going to give a little offering or a little bit of time or a little bit of a sacrifice. But little is much when God is in it. And if you do little things in a big way, if you do little things like they're big things, then God will do big things like they're little things. We have to trust that God can use what little we have for his glory. And, uh, and, and so they came, they were given gold, they were giving goat's hair, they were sacrificially giving. There was a heart of, this is what I want you to see, there was a heart of surrender. God had shown them favor, now they were showing God surrender. God's favor and our surrender should always be connected. And this leads us to our third and final thought today. Do you have time for one more in you today? Unity creates capacity for greater impact. Unity creates capacity for greater impact. Notice their involvement in verse number 21. It says this. And they came, every one whose heart stirred him up. Verse 22. And they came, both men and women. Verse 23. And every man. Verse 24. And everyone. Verse 25. And all the women. What we see is a picture of unity. What we see is that they were doing this Together, what we see is that they were uh, working and sacrificing and serving and laboring hand in hand, shoulder by shoulder, moving forward to build this tabernacle. There was a spirit of unity amongst God's people. It wasn't just a certain crowd or a certain tribe and they did this. No, it was, it was a collective endeavor. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, that you would be on the same page, like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's what it takes to make a major impact for the cause of Christ moving together with one accord, one mind, striving together, like-minded. When Katie and I first started dating, she's from Seattle, Washington, and I went up to visit her for a couple of days in Seattle. And one thing that we did was we went to Lake Washington and we uh, rented a kayak and we kayaked around Lake Washington. And Katie grew up in high school, she did crew. And so she knows all about rowing and all the right techniques for rowing. And, and so when we went kayaking, she was telling me that I was doing it the wrong way. And she was kind of teaching me uh, the right way that I was supposed to put the paddle in the water and, and push it and pull it. And, and uh, for the first few minutes, it was kind of frustrating because I was pushing one way and pulling one way and she was doing it the other way. And it was kind of clunky and slow and awkward. And, and then we eventually kind of found a rhythm and, uh, and I learned how I was supposed to do it the right way. And uh, then we could go further faster because we were on the same page and we were just kind of going down uh, that lake. And then I noticed that it started to get hard again. It started to get difficult and I was doing it the right way, but I was doing it. And uh, I, I looked behind me and Katie had put her paddle down and she was just kind of enjoying the ride. And she was just letting me uh, do all the work up front. And, uh, and I remember when we were not on the same page, it was frustrating. It was kind of exhausting. It was, it was irritating. But when we were rowing in tandem, it was so much more enjoyable. The reason why many churches struggle with forward motion is because everyone's paddling in a different direction. 
It's all about me and my ministry. It's about what I care about. It's about my agenda. It's about what makes me happy. It's about what's on my radar. It's about my preference. But can I tell you that serving the Lord has never been about our agenda? But serving the Lord has always been about his agenda. It's always been about serving and worshiping the King of Kings and making sure that he gets all the glory for everything that we do. And that's why as a church, we have one clear, simple mission statement, reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. And if we ever start doing things that distract us from that mission, we better stop. Because we are striving together. We're rowing together with that one singular focus to give God glory, to reach more people with the good news of the gospel. Now, the people came together. They were serving. They were working. They were giving. And I love the spirit of unity that we see in Exodus 35. And then something really incredible happened. Something amazing happens next. They're giving. They're serving. They're starting to, to build. They're still giving. Do you want to know what happens next? That's so amazing in the text. It's one chapter later. They're still giving. Same project. Notice what it says in Exodus chapter 36, verse number five. And they spake unto Moses, saying... Moses' leadership team came and they start talking to Moses and they say, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the stuff that they had was sufficient for all the work to make and too much Moses had to stand up before the people and say, hey, please stop giving, stop being generous. We have more than enough. It's my prayer that that would happen at least one time at Rock Hill. Okay, can you join me in prayer? That we would just have to come and say, hey, guys, uh, we have given more than enough. We've supported every missionary. We've built every building. Uh, We've done all that we can do. Uh, Do you see the impact that they had when they were serving and giving in unity? Unity creates capacity for greater impact. They were striving together. Here's what I believe. Whatever we give, God will grow. We give our time, he'll multiply our time for his glory. We give our talent, he's gonna multiply our talent for his glory. We give our treasure, he'll multiply uh, that treasure for his glory. Why? Whatever we give, God will grow. And I'm believing that God wants to use our church to do some great things in the Inland Empire. I really believe it. And God doesn't need a building to do his work, but a building is simply just an opportunity for us to come together and to create more space so that we can reach more children and more teenagers and and, uh, more families with the good news of the gospel. And so next week when we come together and when we participate and pray and plan on being a part of the, the Faith for the Future offering, we are praying that God would use our little and multiply it for his glory and for his good. Whatever we give, God will grow. And I want to encourage you to join me in praying that God would do the miraculous in our church, in our midst, that we would have to take a step back and say, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. That, that God would do such an incredible work that everyone would have to conclude God did this. That little church couldn't do that. God had to do that, that, that he would get all the glory. Now, as we close today, uh, the children of Israel, they gave, they sacrificially gave, they built the tabernacle. They built the tabernacle and it was successful. They had everything that they needed to do it. Fast forward to the New Testament in John. And in John chapter one, verse number one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. 
in chapter one and verse number 14, and it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is why we celebrate Christmas, that God became man. By the way, man did not become God, God became man. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, dwelt. You know what the word dwelt means in the Greek? It's this Greek word skenao. You know what it means? It means to, to abide in tabernacle. That the word, Jesus, became flesh, God became flesh and tabernacled among us. Can I tell you that Jesus is our tabernacle? That Jesus is our mediator, that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I'm so thankful today that Jesus Christ took upon the form of a servant and became obedient even unto death, that Jesus went to the cross and he died in your place. And he died in my place. This is so much bigger than us. He died for you and he died for me. And I'm so grateful that we can celebrate every single Sunday. And I pray that you'll never get tired of it. That three days later, Jesus Christ rose again from the dead and he is alive and well today. He came. He tabernacled among us. Lived a perfect life and he went to the cross for you and for me. He died on the cross for our sins and he rose again on the third day. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 8, verse number nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. See, generosity is ultimately rooted in the gospel. It's rooted in the good news of Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. And today, if you don't know that you have a relationship with the God that created you, today can be the day of salvation for you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.